Good afternoon and welcome to another edition of the Middle East Forums webinar series featuring topical discussions from the forums project directors. My name is Benjamin Baird. I head the Middle East Forums advocacy and community engagement efforts, and I'll be your host over the next 20 minutes, I'm sorry, 30 minutes, as we are joined by Teresa Yaramian of the Armenian National Committee of America, or ANCA. A couple quick housekeeping notes. Teresa and I will talk for the first 20 minutes, during which time you are encouraged to leave questions in the Q&A box below. We will endeavor to get to as many of these questions as possible uh, in the final 10 minutes of the program, selecting questions based on order of appearance and relevancy to our topic. So to introduce our guest, Teresa Yaramian is the Government Affairs Director at ANCA. She was born in Armenia and raised in California, where she previously served for five years as the president of the East Hollywood Neighborhood Council. Teresa's work at ANCA includes lobbying Congress to sanction Turkey and to halt U.S. arms deals to the Islamist regime. Which brings us to our topic today, containing Turkish adventurism on Capitol Hill. Teresa, thank you so much for joining us. Uh, I think it's important if you could first tell us a little bit about your organization, the Armenian National Committee of America. Sure. Thank you, Benjamin. Thank you for this opportunity and MEF for uh, having the ANCA on and having me on. Uh, to your question, uh, the ANCA is a nonpartisan Armenian American advocacy organization. Uh, our focus is on the safety and security of Armenia and the Republic of Artsakh. And a lot of our work has revolved around uh, recognition and reparations of the Armenian genocide committed by Turkey, uh, as well as, as you mentioned, stopping arms sales by Turkey uh, to Azerbaijan and other countries, uh, as well as making sure that Artsakh uh, is secured and that the indigenous people of Artsakh uh, remain have, have the opportunity to, to run uh, their independent and free government. Thank you. Um, as discussed, part of the work you do representing Armenian American interests is actually related to another country altogether, Turkey. Armenians around the world have been deeply affected by Turkey and its predecessor, the Ottoman Empire. I know it's a lot to cover, but could you please give us a somewhat abridged version of this history leading up to the present day? Yes, of course. So uh, in 1915, Ottoman Turkey uh, started a genocide against the population of Armenians, Greeks, Pontiacs, uh, and so forth in the Ottoman Empire. Uh, in terms of the Armenians, this lasted until about 1921, resulting in about more than over 1.5 million Armenians being uh, killed. That genocide continued into the new regime as Ataturk took over and democratized uh, Turkey. He uh, instilled a blockade. Uh, in, uh, of Armenia, not allowing necessities to get into Armenia and causing Armenians to die of various diseases. Um, and to this day, um, kind of fast forwarding, uh, Turkey's continued denial of the Armenian genocide uh, is not only the last stage of genocide by its definition, but is also influencing other countries. Uh, they are an active, uh, country in trying to suppress the truth and using their influences both as a uh, as a NATO ally but also as a powerful government to rewrite history threatening uh, different governments to not recognize the Armenian genocide or else you know and really that or else is those kind of this hanging 
you know, question of what are what is Turkey really going to do to a country should they recognize the Armenian genocide, uh, and their and their continued denial, uh, and in some cases success in suppression has resulted in Armenians being persecuted continually, uh, as is proof of the 1988 massacres of Armenians in Azerbaijan. So let me ask really quickly. Um... Is there historical controversy over the Armenian genocide? Is this something that is a matter of debate today, or is this something that is settled in Turkey as the lone um, sort of opposition to this idea? Absolutely not. I mean, our, the Armenian genocide is a proven fact. And mm -hmm. by all definitions of genocide, it fits the bill. Uh, Lemkin actually, when, when coining the term genocide, refers to the Armenians in saying this is the example of what a genocide is, and this is how we are defining it. Um, so there is no controversy over the Armenian genocide, but Turkey would like there to be a controversy and has oftentimes caused the US government and other governments to step back uh, on their recognition efforts uh, to say, well, let's have you know, a tribunal, let's have a discussion uh, where there is no discussion to be had. Sure. Uh, how else then is Turkey a threat, not just to Armenia and the Armenian uh, diaspora living abroad, but to the United States and its allies? I mean, after all, we're talking about a country that's supposed to be uh, a NATO ally who would come to the defense of the U.S. and its, and its allies, the very same allies. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, we've seen Turkey aggravate world situations. Uh, which has caused the U.S. to be involved in more than one situation to, for lack of a better terms, uh, clean up their mess. So we're seeing the invasion of Cyprus. We're seeing their assistance in Libya and military groups that are detrimental to the stability of the government. Um, we're also seeing uh, their invasion of northern Syria most recently. Um, and in all these aspects, Turkey is getting involved in um, international uh, situations aggravating the situations and causing the U.S. more turmoil. Uh, the U.S. has a, uh, a military base in Turkey, in injury, which is part of Western Armenia, uh, part of the lands that Armenians used to live in, that where they were uh, genocidally removed from. And, on, and the U.S. Uh, needs to have access to this base consistently for missions, whether in Iraq or Afghanistan. Uh, and we saw during uh, wars in Afghanistan that Turkey uh, stopped the U.S. from being able to use their base. They actually denied access to that base uh, at, during critical missions in Afghanistan. And it begs the question of, um, you know, is this how we want our NATO allies to act, to have control over critical situations that the U.S. is supposed to be involved in, um, both to advance U.S. interests, but also to advance global interests as a NATO ally. In recent history, Turkey's been involved in political espionage in the U.S. and Europe, often targeting diaspora communities. This includes political intimidation. Are Armenian Americans the target of any of these counter-influence operations or intimidations from uh, Turkish government sources? Yeah, so this is an interesting um, situation for the Armenian, Armenian American community in particular. And I'm going to actually bring up a very direct way in where they're, where they're trying to suppress and then something that's a little bit more subtle that maybe doesn't get um, as much um, tailwind. Mm. In 2017, 
uh, during President Erdogan's visit uh, to the U.S., uh, there's clear video footage of him showing him give orders to his bodyguards when he is in front of the Turkish embassy at Sheridan Circle, ambassador's residence. And these uh, guards uh, were given the permission of a president, foreign president to attack peaceful American protesters on Sheridan Circle. Uh, these included Kurdish and Armenian protesters who were uh, protesting his presence uh, and the suppression of Kurds and the invasion uh, of uh, Kurdistan or invasion of, of northern Syria. Um, and American citizens were beaten to a bloody pulp uh, on American soil, on national park soil. Uh, the police weren't present and didn't act fast enough to stop them. Uh, and women and children were subject to this beating. And the way, it's not just this physical attack that was, a, that was the altercation uh, and the way of kind of intimidation of people, but it's the follow-up. The fact that in the judicial process, the government of Turkey has been actively involved in making sure that the individuals uh, that were here that are punishable, some who are US, uh, security uh, uh, personnel are not punished. Uh, two individuals were jailed for one year uh, and they were released after that year. Uh, and it, there's no doubt that the government of Turkey was involved in their release uh, simply because every single week there was a public visit by a high Turkish official to, uh, to these two prison mates um, while they were in prison, while they were in jail. Uh, in addition to that, there's an ongoing court case uh, filed uh, by these Kurdish uh, citizens, uh, American citizens of Kurdish um, heritage. Uh, and in that case as well, that the government of Turkey uh, has tried to get the, the court of DC to dismiss these cases. So we see constant and constant involvement of the, of the government, both physical attack, but also trying to um, manipulate the judicial system, much like bringing their own politics here. A more subtle way we see this uh, is actually um, with members of Congress, teachers in school districts, um, and politicians all around the US where Turkey has uh, amica rights. So they can take members of Congress as a, a nonprofit, a Turkish nonprofit can take uh, members of Congress to um, Turkey. Um, and oftentimes we see Turkey and Azerbaijan doing these joint trips. Um, and this is an opportunity to wine and dine individuals and really not just show off Turkish culture, but really to tell what they call their side of the story taken to the Ataturk statue and really set the precedent of denial of the Armenian genocide. Um, and so this is, these are instances where it's much more subtle um, implications, but really they're trying to win over and buy over. Uh, both politicians and individuals in the education system. I see. So for those who aren't familiar with the nonprofit think tank community organization, social, social welfare organization world, uh, what role do these non-governmental non organizations play in containing this threat from Turkey? Uh, or in other words, how does a private nonpartisan institution change minds in Washington? Absolutely. Well, as we know, Washington is heavily influenced by 
um, by third parties. Uh, and what we try to change is having them influenced by citizens here in the US versus foreign governments. You know, our biggest, you know, you want to call it a competitor or adversary is the government of Turkey trying to influence our politics and our foreign policy. And oftentimes we kind of build this map out of how foreign um, money and lobbying is affecting decisions made here in Washington. And the way NGOs uh, play critical and nonpartisan organizations uh, and uh, human rights nonprofits like us really pay, play a role is by one, educating the advocate, educating the individual on the ground on these issues, many of them, because it, this is their personal experience. I mean, I'm, I'm the granddaughter of genocide survivors. Um, this is a personal experience. They have no problem really telling the story, but it's also linking it to legislation. How can then this member um, be effective in um, building tolerance, You know, making sure that US history isn't forgotten when it's tied to the Armenian genocide? Um, how we can stop today's human rights violations by understanding the actions of the past by the exact same players and the exact same countries and understanding kind of the geopolitics when it comes to this. And so it's really giving voice um, to voters. It's giving voice to constituents and, and really getting them educated on how to talk about the issues and getting them in contact with their members of Congress getting them in meetings, getting them in front of staff uh, and communicating clearly uh, their objectives, translating that into legislation, writing legislation, and making sure that it meets the congressional processes and passes. So it sounds like this is very much a, a grassroots community-driven effort. Uh, is it safe to say then that you give constituents a say in the American foreign policy making process. Oh, absolutely. I mean, having, and as you mentioned, I, I used to be elected to the East Hollywood Neighborhood Council. One of the things, you know, residents will tell you is, you know, it's difficult to access your government. It's difficult to even understand how that process works. And organizations like the ANCA really help bridge that voice, bridge um, talking about things you are passionate about, bringing it into legislation and helping it get passed and really bringing these stories uh, and facts in front of members of Congress. So absolutely foreign policy, you know, every American citizen has the right to voice their concerns to their, to their elected officials. I mean, we elected them to office and it's really about making that voice heard, shine uh, and getting these policies passed. So yeah, absolutely, we do, we do give constituents a voice in foreign policy here in the US, uh, and we are working on making sure that their voice is stronger. ANCA is not alone in its effort to contain Turkish adventurism. Uh, full disclosure, the Middle East Forum and ANCA are part of a coalition of like-minded American community and civic organizations, each committed to promoting their unique interests, but aligned in their opposition to a belligerent Turkey. Uh, tell us about this coalition and why it's so vital uh, in this fight to um, fight the influence of executive and legislative policy regarding Turkey. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, like we were talking about earlier in terms of kind of Turkey affecting not just the Armenian community, but communities abroad and how they've been involved in different um, uh, countries and mm -hmm. conflicts. 
um, we see that a, a number of both ethnic and issue-based uh, nonprofits are involved in our issue, uh, are on the same page. So MEF being one of them, the Hellenic American Leadership Council in defense of Christians, Hindu American Foundation, and, and the American Friends of Kurdistan. We've built a strong coalition around these issues about um, making sure the U.S. government is aware of not one aspect, but multiple aspects that Turkey's uh, belligerence is affecting our communities, is affecting the Christian communities by the destruction of Christian heritage uh, in Turkey, by influencing other countries to destroy Christian properties. Um, the Hellenic American uh, community uh, strongly involved, not only on the genocide front, but also the, the situations in Cyprus taking place. And again, the, you, the, uh, Turkey using its NATO influence to say, well, I have the right to Cyprus's air rights. I have the right to invade Cyprus. Um, you know, Cyprus is mine when historically it is not. Um, and so, and of course, uh, the growing situation uh, with our friends, the Kurds. So it, there are no shortage of communities that Turkey is affecting. Um, and so this coalition has uh, built itself around these issues and helps each other, um, you know, find solutions with our politicians and really show that this is not just a one-sided issue. It's not a one community issue. And soon more and more communities will be joining because Turkey is going to continue on its tirade uh, if it's not stopped. Uh, one of the main topics I wanted to discuss today is uh, ANCA's latest efforts uh, involving the sale of F-16 fighter jets to Turkey. There's been some recent developments in this area uh, in Congress. Can you tell us what's going on here? Absolutely. So the ANCA's involvement with the F-16s actually dates back to 2020. Um, during the war that Azerbaijan acted on uh, against the people of Artsakh, the Armenian population in Artsakh, we saw that they had most of their strength from Turkey. Turkey um, provided them with Syrian mercenaries, some who are associated with ISIS. And in addition to that, provided them air support with the F-16s. And so the US sold F-16s to Turkey. Turkey then took these F-16s and not did not use it for their own purposes, but lent it out to another country to persecute another population. And we saw the death of thousands upon thousands of civilians in addition to military personnel. And we continue to see the persecution of these individuals as, uh, as of right now, we're on day eight of Azerbaijan uh, blockading the road between Armenia and Artsakh. And they have the heavy support of Turkey. Now the F-16 issue goes, dates to this, where they were lent, lent these uh, F-16s for support and they were used against civilian populations. Now Turkey has requested, like, re requested additional F-16s. These upgraded F-16s, we are told, include a technology that, uh, an updated technology that is similar to or parallel to the Patriots. These are, the Patriots were, were a system that we did not, the US did not end up selling to Turkey because Turkey decided to buy the S-400s from Russia. So logically, it actually doesn't make sense to us to sell machinery 
that is compatible to the Patriots and provided when we decide not to provide to Turkey, uh, the Patriots, when they bought the S-400s. And now we have updated F-16s that have compatible technology and we're gonna sell these to them. It, it just logically makes sense. You're still, it's the same or similar technology, uh, just in a different aircraft, let's say, um, but they're still getting access to it. And that still doesn't address US concerns of shared airspace and shared technology uh, with uh, the Russians having their S-400s in the same territory. Mm. Uh, I wanna to get to one more question before we move on to our audience questions. Uh, Turkey ordered airstrikes against Kurdish militias and militias in northern Syria just two weeks ago uh, and appears to be on the brink of an invasion of northern Syria. Is the ANCA working to prevent uh, this potential humanitarian disaster? Yeah, we're working with our, Ameri uh, our friends at the American Friends of Kurdistan to educate our politicians and see what we can do to prevent this humanitarian crisis. Um, we're actively, this isn't the only humanitarian crisis we're working with. Um, in the U.S. To, to prevent, like I mentioned, the Azerbaijan Artsakh Road is closed. Oh, sorry, the Armenia uh, Artsakh Road is closed by Azerbaijan right now uh, with the support of Turkey. And so we see the effects that that has on a population. We've seen uh, the Armenian population in Syria be completely depleted um, because of these attacks over the course of the last two decades. And so we don't want to see that happen to another indigenous population in Turkey. Um, we want to make sure that the, their human rights are protected. We want to make sure um, that they have the opportunity to rule themselves uh, and, and, and live peacefully on their soil. Uh, thank you, Teresa, for all of your answers. Um, so now we have a few more questions for you from our audience. The first, which comes from David Levine. He asks, when Americans actually become aware of the Armenian genocide, the story is usually irresistibly compelling. How do you account for the fact that the history of the Armenian genocide is so widely unknown or distorted? Uh, for example, not included in the American public school curriculum. That's a great question. So the ANC has worked um, through different channels to make, to, to make sure that it is included. So there is a great project called the Genocide Education Project is a nonprofit that helps provide materials to school teachers and districts to be able to train them on how to teach about the Armenian genocide. Um, we have done our best to get funding to, uh, to schools and school districts to be able to train their teachers and have the resources that they need um, to be able to teach, to teach properly. Um, and this has come in, in, in different ways. So Congressman uh, Maloney this year introduced a House resolution to provide $10 million over the course of five years through the Library of Congress. Um, that legislation will move into the next Congress. And we hope to see that pass the House next in this 118th. Um, and that would be a step forward in making sure the proper resources are available. The other thing is, is making sure, um, so in 13 states, it is actually part of the cur required curriculum to teach about the Armenian genocide. But I think to your point, um, if teachers don't know about it, then, then they can't teach about it. So we're trying to open as many resources as possible to them to make that possibility. Um, and I can always answer any direct questions about that further. Great. Um... Our next question, how does the average Turk view Armenia? 
That's a great question. Um, I'm not sure exactly uh, how the Turkish population perceives Armenia. I do know for um, almost a century, if not for over a century, uh, the Turkish population has been taught um, to deny the Armenian genocide. They've taught, they've been taught that the Turks didn't commit a genocide, that it was just an instance of war, um, and even taught that Armenians are the ones who committed genocide against the Turks, which is completely um, wrong and unjustified. And so uh, they, their view is that, I mean, it's hard for them to have a view when a lot of them come to the US and realize that they've been completely taught the opposite of what the truth is. And so I think there's a huge transition period um, for a lot of Turkish citizens. It's also very difficult, I think, for some to discover that many of them are uh, partially Armenian um, because mm -hmm. during the genocide, many Armenian women were taken um, and, um, and adopted into converted or adopted into Turkish families. And so as more uh, DNA testing is being done in Turkey, more people are realizing that they are part Armenian. And so I think they have a huge transition period um, to understanding their true culture and true heritage. Thank you. Uh, next question from Jerry Stern asks, to what extent is Erdogan, uh, Turkish President Erdogan's charm offensive currently directed towards Israel, motivated by his view that courting Israel is merely a means to gain access to the US and influence US policy? Yeah, I mean, Israel is a, is a has one of the, if not the strongest lobby here in Washington, DC, uh, and Turkey's courting has definitely affected them. Uh, in terms of them advocating for Turkey. For many years, uh, genocide recognition uh, was opposed by not just the government of Turkey, but oil companies uh, and uh, uh, Israeli, uh, Israeli or uh, Jewish um, advocacy organizations. Many have supported us uh, in recent years but uh, the influence that Turkey has has definitely impacted that relationship uh, and making sure that they are advocates against recognition because it would affect the US relationship. Hmm. Our next question from Robert Slater. Is there a similarity between the Russian-Ukrainian genocide after World War II and the Turkish-Armenian genocide in terms of lack of awareness and education in Western countries, including the United States? That's a good question. I don't know that I'm fully um, educated on all the details um, to, to make the comparison. Um, I will say again, going back to my initial comment on, on kind of the definition of genocide, um, the denial by Turkey is trying to make it convoluted, make it about, you know, there aren't sustainable facts when there are. Um, and so by the definition of genocide, uh, Armenia fits the bill perfectly. And again, I mean, genocide was coined after um, those the Ottoman incidents. Uh, some might argue that denying military sales to Turkey may push it into the orbit of other countries, such as Russia or China. Is this something we should worry about? They're already in that orbit. So um, to, 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 we, we shouldn't be talking about whether it's going to push them into that orbit or not. They're already in that orbit. If the understanding is what is the precedent the US is looking to, to, to play here? I mean, we are the world's greatest power. And are we going to allow ourselves 
and our foreign policy could be manipulated by another foreign government. Um, and that's really what it boils down to. This is a NATO ally, and the NATO ally is trying to control the dialogue happening here in the US to the point where another president feels that he has the right and protection to have his security guards beat to a bloody pulp American citizens on US territory. So it's not about whether we're pushing them farther out. They're there. They naturally went there. They're strong trade partners with China. They're strong trade partners with Russia. Turkey is Russia's number one tourist destination. Hmm. So there's this isn't the question or the part of the dialogue we should be having is what is the US going to do to set its precedent? Because as it allows for dictators to actually push the envelope on how much um, inhumanity they can and, and terror they can cause across the world and not react to it with actual tangible consequences, then all they're telling the world is you can do whatever you want and, the, and we will just We'll, compete, we'll continue funding you. We'll continue giving the most um, lethal arms to you and let you do whatever you want with it, rather than saying there are consequences to your actions. And we're worried about our adversaries, um, be it terrorists or be it other countries, getting these. Uh, in our final minute, Paul asks a rather complex question that I'm afraid I'm gonna have to ask you to answer uh, as quickly as possible. Um, how do you navigate the misappropriation of genocide, Holocaust language and other contexts where it does not apply, but is used for manipulation purposes? I think you mentioned, for instance, that Turkey often tries to claim genocide um, on behalf of our Armenians to themselves. You have to um, bring people to the facts at the yeah. end of the day. And I mean, this comes in a lot of ways. I, I, I you know, grew up in the US, went to public school in California, and our history books didn't have a mention of the Army genocide, or if it did, it was literally one sentence long and included a picture of Ataturk, um, rather than showing, you know, all the orphans that the uh, US government helped rescue through their Near East relief efforts. And it took a lot of advocacy, but the ANCA was able to change that by showing the facts, by showing right written documents from uh, US, US documents from that era to, to, to reestablish what actually needs to be included in textbooks. And so really the answer to that is we fight for justice and truth. And it's a hard battle um, and it takes a lot of uh, patience and perseverance. But the key to our success has been that we have a lot of perseverance and a lot of people behind us, um, namely you know, Armenian Americans, but also our coalition partners who believe in telling the truth uh, and making sure that that justice prevails. That's about all the time we have today. I'd like to thank our audience for participating. And of course, my deepest gratitude, gratitude to our guest, Teresa Yeremian, for this illuminating discussion on countering Turkey's adventurism on Capitol Hill. Teresa, how can our viewers find out more about your work and ANCA's advocacy campaigns? Uh, would you like to share an email or a web page with our audience? Absolutely. Um, you can look up uh, anca.org and all of our information is there in terms of our current um, action alerts and current initiatives. 
Uh, and if you'd ever want to get in contact with me, you can email legislative at anca.org, and I'd be happy to answer any questions that you have. Thanks again to our viewers. Please stay subscribed to all of our webinar invitations and tune into these webinars on Monday, Wednesday, and Friday at 1 p.m. Eastern time. Thanks again for watching and have a good day. Thank you.